Would you bow your heads in prayer? Gracious Father, grant us your spirit now that we might be attentive to your word. And Lord, that we might take that word out and put it to work in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Now this is actually something I've heard again and again since I've been pastor here. People will tell me Fishers has a volunteer problem. I understand somebody even said that on the way out after the town hall. Where are they going to get all the volunteers? A couple of summers ago, we, we didn't have vacation Bible school. Because, not because of COVID. A couple of summers ago, it was because the people that we normally count on for volunteers were all going to be busy and gone. One of the reasons we're still having one service is there's concern, do we have enough volunteers if we go to two services? This last summer, I heard it. We're not sure we have enough volunteers to teach Sunday school. Now, in all honesty, to that, I had one person reply, I didn't know we needed volunteers to teach Sunday school. Nobody's put out a call. Right? Folks, I want to say to you something this morning. Fishers doesn't have, the challenge before us is not a volunteer problem. challenge for, before us is a stewardship challenge. I don't know if you had somebody say that to me in, in, in the hearing, and hearing one of those people make that comment to me, he says, the church I came to, Pastor, doesn't have near as many volunteers as Fishers has. It's all relative. I want you to hear the word of the Lord from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. As each of you, as each of you, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has called us to be stewards, not simply volunteers. And there's a big difference. The word voluntary means done, made, brought about, undertaken of one's own free choice, accord, or by free choice. A volunteer is somebody who, who serves in some ways but doesn't expect anything to be in, used in, or given in return for that. They're not going to get paid. We describe those who work around here 
in various ways who never get paid. We describe those as volunteers. It's a word we borrow from social clubs and not-for-profits because they, they thrive and strive out of, out of recruiting a steady stream of, of volunteers to keep their work going. Churches, too, live or die by whether they have enough volunteers. A church not making good use of volunteers is a church condemned to mediocrity. No staff person that you hire can do their job here without the help of volunteers. We couldn't have this service today without the help of volunteers, with all the people you see that are volunteering this morning to make the service happen. Volunteer model of ministry has accomplished a lot of things in the kingdom of God. The problem is, it's not biblical. The Bible calls you stewards. And that's much more than a volunteer. A steward is defined as a person who manages things that belong to someone else. It can be be someone else's money, someone else's property, someone else's business, someone else's toys, as we talk about the children's message. I want you to think this morning about what it means to be a steward. And one of the first things, one of, as one of God's stewards, you belong to God. Nothing you have, absolutely nothing you have belongs to you, not even you. You were created by God, my friends. You're his. And if that wasn't enough, he redeemed you with the cost of his own son. You were ransomed from the futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, not with silver or perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Because of what Jesus did, Paul says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You know the passage, we often hear it at Christmas, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem. That means to pay the price, to redeem those who are under the law, that you and I might receive the adoption as sons. And that adoption, that adoption of you personally was made final in your baptism. You know, I've, as a pastor, I've walked with a number of couples through the process of, of, of adoption, and it's an arduous process. There are a lot, it takes forever. There are lots of ups and downs and highs and disappointments, but when it finally happens, when the day that they thought would never come finally comes, and the, and the 
adoption is final. Let me tell you, they take that child home and they don't treat it, they don't love it as if it's their own. They love that child because it is their own. And in the same way as God's adopted children, he doesn't, he doesn't love you as if you were his own. You are his own. Let that sink in. God, because we are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father, by which we call God, Daddy. Wow. Think of the words that are here from from Isaiah. I love these words. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. As stewards, you and I belong to God. And that leads to the second point. As a steward, you have not, get this correctly, you have not volunteered. You have been called. God, you'll never read in the scripture about all the volunteers that God got to do his work. You know that? Jesus didn't go around in Galilee looking for volunteers. Anybody want to follow me? No, he finds, right? He goes around looking for disciples. And he finds Peter and Andrew by the sea and he says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And later he sees Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he says, follow me. And Matthew left the tax collector's booth and followed him. And he's walking along and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house today. Zacchaeus came down. Listen to the words from John. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You know, when I was a child, I loved to go to work with my dad. But let me tell you how that worked. I didn't come to dad and say, hey, I want to go to work with you today, dad. He decided when I went to work with him. And I didn't say, okay, dad, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear out this furnace. Ten years old. He told me what I was going to do. And it was okay. Because you know what? What a gift, what a privilege, what a blessing. I got to work with my dad. That's all that mattered. And folks, what a gift, what a privilege, what a blessing that God has called you to be stewards that you get to work with dad in his kingdom. You're called, not volunteered. And folks, That really brings us to the next point. As stewards, everything 
about your life. Every role you play, everything you have, every task you are given is entrusted to you by God. Let that sink in. I, I can still see it. it. was in a branch of a bank being built in Roselle, Illinois. And my dad showed me what he wanted me to do. And then he went off to another job. It was the first time he'd ever given me a job and left me on my own to do it. And I thought, wow, Dad trusts me. It's a big moment for me. Folks, when you got married, God entrusted your spouse to you to love and care for. When you brought your children to be baptized and they were adopted into God's family, then the child was placed back into your hands. It's God's child now. But he entrusted you with that child made you steward over that child's life to, be, to watch over and care for and, and feed and, and clothe and raise that child, to bring them to church, to teach them about Jesus. When you open a company as your own or when you go to work for somebody, God is entrusting to you that work that you'll do the best job you can in service to your employee, in service to your employer, in service to your customer. When you teach a small group or a Bible class or a Sunday school, God is entrusting his word into your hands along with those you teach. The time, the talents, the treasures that you have, God has entrusted to you and to me to use in his service. Here again, the words from 1 Peter, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's many varied grace. You know the parable we read in the gospel reading today? That's what God has done. The same thing he did with those servants. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. He didn't come out and say, okay, which of you guys wants to volunteer to work while I'm gone? Oh, he's the owner. He said, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that. And then he went away and trusted his employees. God hasn't called us to volunteer. He has entrusted his work to us. In a couple weeks, part of our you know, this is a stewardship emphasis, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. 
be a little bit different because people at home and on here. But as you get ready for that, I'm going to challenge you to be thinking and praying. But your prayer, my prayer is not, God, what do I want to do with what I have, with my time, talent, and treasure? That's not the prayer. The prayer is, God, what would you have me do with what you have given me? That scare you a little bit? What if I don't do the right thing? What if I'm like this, this third guy in the parable ends up in this place of gnashing of teeth? Doesn't sound very good to me. Right? Out of weeping. My folks, I've got some good news for you. The point of this parable is, is not You better be a good steward or else. That's not the point. No, the point is this. The basis of good stewardship is not our faithfulness. The basis of good stewardship is God's unfailing love for us. It's his faithfulness. I really... This was the big learning thing for me this week to really look at this parable. I want you to see what is the real difference between the two guys that do something with what they're given and the third guy that buries it. And the difference is faith. The third guy has no faith in the kindness of his master. Look at what he says. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. It's a lack of faith. You know, when my dad left me that day, I was not worried at all, that if I didn't do this right, that somehow my dad would come back and blow up and disown me. I knew he loved me. And because I knew that, I wanted to do the best job possible for him. Right? Folks, That's our Heavenly Father. You already know that He loved you enough to give His own Son. You already know that Jesus loved you so much that He gave His life for you on a cross. We're not volunteers who can just leave our task. Who cares if it gets done? But neither are we slaves who live in fear of the Master. We, as stewards, are God's own dearly loved children who go about the task that he has laid before us with joy, knowing that no matter how feeble our attempts are to serve him, because of Jesus, ours is the confidence on the last day, miracle of miracles, he's going to look at you and me and he's going to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.